Everybody here should get on their feet and Absolutely. give this guy a standing ovation, and they are, and they are. Look at this, on one leg, he's got a flat tire, and he is, he is appreciated by what he has done. I mean, here's a guy that... This is the Detroit mentality. I mean, there's a guy sitting to my right, Ben Wallace, who helped them win a championship. He has that type of mentality. Plays hurt, does all the little plays, and I'm sure Ben can appreciate what he has seen in Blake these last two ball games. They might not have translated to wins, but in the big picture, the Detroit faithful here, they'll look back on what he has done these last two ball games, the play in these games. And that was Blake Griffin going out to a standing ovation last night as the Pistons ended their 2018-2019 campaign. Welcome into the show. It's April 23rd, 2019. Views from the sideline. I'm a third of your hosts, Chris Pappas, Joey Tysick, Malik Hill. What's up, guys? I'm so happy this is finally over. Oh, stop it. I'm oh, so stop happy it. we don't have to talk. Just get us to the offseason. Oh, man. Then now we can watch stop. some real good basketball. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I'm so happy. We got the Spurs Nuggets. Such a good it, – so, it's so refreshing now. Side note, was Reggie trying to do like a John Madden impersonation? Now here's a guy. <laughs> what? I don't know that many people that talk like that. Anyway. But yeah, so Pistons got swept last night, lost 127 to 104 to Milwaukee. They were up for most of that game and had double-digit leads in that game as well. Uh, they lost every game except for game three by 20-plus. Um Yeah, it was just a terrible matchup. Giannis was a monster. The officiating last night was subject at best, I will say that. You mean suspect? Yes, that's what I meant. They yes. are uh, the second team to lose all four games by 15-plus. I believe they're, that's the worst scoring margin in a series since 2010 when uh, the Orlando Magic beat up on the Hawks, I believe. Yeah. So good good stuff, setting records. Four, also, Pistons four, have lost 14 straight playoff games, which is that. an NBA Round record. Round of applause. That is that deserves a standing ovation just just as much as Blake. That's three and a half sweeps, boys. Hey, Malik. Detroit as a sports <laughs> town. Ah, shut up. That's a lot of brooms for the win. Oh, so many brooms. That's a lot of brooms. This, the, Detroit is. Are you guys just oh, trying to throw daggers man. in my heart right now, dude? It sucks I'm for us to too. Throw, I'm trying to throw daggers in every. We're here too. Part of this organization because they deserve it. Our eyes are they just a little more open it. than yours. Tom Gore. Whoa. A hundred percent. That is a hundred percent. Thank you, Joey. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just sorry, man. It's just, just because I really got to be doesn't mean I don't understand. I understand what they should do, but I know that's not going to happen. But I still root for them. I can't. I, I can't. I can't. This this is a type of team. They're they're impossible to root for to me. Why are I they imp- for Blake? Blake because the, the team is a joke. The, the, the organization that, is a joke. Tom George, Tom Gore is Joris, a joke. I like that. <laughs> None of it can be taken seriously. None of it. I, None I, of it. I mean, we'll get into it more when we break down the Pistons season, what to look forward to in the offseason. I think they're going to make a big push for Drew Holiday. I think that's going to be the guy that Gorris in the front office circle on. He's going to keep Reggie and Andre. Well, I, no, I think Reggie still. go. I think they're going to have Drew as. I would hope so. So they're going to. So what you're saying is. They're actually going to make a trade that does something. We'll see. 
We'll see. Is that, is that what you're saying? To well, me? here's they're, a, they're gonna make a right, move. I'll tell you that how impacts the team. I'll tell you how I think it. That's a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about a move that makes the team better. Yes. Wow. I I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I can't wait. Anyway, that'd be phenomenal. But yeah, so the Pistons got swept. Blake, he got the recognition he deserved. When he checked out last night with about six minutes to go in the game, he fouled out. He gave this team all he had. He probably should not have played in the first round. He played in game three and game four, averaging 24, six, and seven in those two games on one leg, limping significantly in both games. He put the team on his back. You know, yes, this team was a disaster. But Blake is the best star that they've had in a long time. And he has that worker type mentality that this city appreciates. And if he was two years younger, the buzz about this team would be a lot different. Um, it's sad that they're done and they didn't win a game, but I mean, we all expected it. Nobody expected a win. You expected a win? No. Oh. <laughs> I just the way you were looking, I was like, no, I was a puzzled. Look, you know. They had a they had a chance at a lottery pick for a while, and then they decided, okay, we're gonna play good. We're gonna make the playoffs. All right, fine, I'll take it. We're gonna get a a nice a a decent matchup maybe against the Raptors. Sixers probably would have been tough, but okay, we'll take it. And then they go on another losing streak just at the end of the season, so they get to play the Bucks, the worst possible matchup well, that we talked about all year. The losing streak was partly because Blake got hurt and he couldn't play. No excuses. Blake had the highest usage they rate were, in the NBA. They were in a lot of games. I pointed it out a couple times. Blake was okay in the OKC game. He scored 45, and they still lost. They don't have a second player. So even if Blake is healthy, I, I don't know if it matters. That that Charlotte game, to me, showed... They lost meaningful that, games. That game showed what that team really was. Yeah, I Without agree. Blake Griffin, that, that that's pretty much the team. They had no pride in together. that game. And the thought... This, the found maker trade I thought was really good at first. Kind of went downhill. He could not score a basket in the playoffs whatsoever, unless it was a layup or a dunk. He could not hit a three to save his life. I, I didn't see him hit it. Did he shoot more over? I don't think over, he made a three. I was about to say, did he shoot 0% from three? Because I never shot saw him hit from, one. I, Yeah, I don't remember him making one. They, they left him open at a point. I was like, all right, shoot it. Why didn't they play Kyrie Thomas? What, like? I, I really you don't know what understand. Guys he like at the end of the game, what I mean, was the point? At the end of the game, you put him in, and he looks active, and he looks like he could do something to somewhat spark something. Who are you gonna take the minutes away what? from? Langston, Luke, Wayne Ellington. You're not gonna take it from Wayne. He's your literally only your true small forward outside of Glenn Robinson, who cannot play NBA minutes. At this point, it, I mean, at that point, it really didn't matter to me. Yeah, you could have played Kyrie Thomas that whole second half. Well, I don't think Langston. I don't think Langston Galloway needs to play as much as he does. I, I think Dwayne Casey has given him too big of a leash. Yeah, and a lot of times when his shot is off, he's almost useless as a basketball player. I, I think when you are losing games by thirty in the playoffs, it's time to get some young guys some experience. You're not going to come out of the series exactly. with a win. And I think we need to look at developing our younger guys. That's what. Sort of we brought Dwayne Casey in for. Now, again, I've said it before. I think he was a little bit pressured to get wins because he 
is coming off of coach of the year. However, he's also known for just developing young talent. And I think that's more of why I was excited for him to come in. And we didn't really see that entirely. We saw a little bit here and there with Luke getting some help. Luke definitely took a step at the end from the trade deadline to the end of the season. He started the playoffs with 21 points in his first playoff game. Luke showed a lot of signs that as a Pistons fan, I'm excited for for next season. Bruce Brown defensively has showed a, shown a lot of signs. Couldn't he, right now it looks like he can't hit a jumper. I'm not so as worried about that. That we've seen his players is cool, but well, he, he needs more to make a real but, impact. Okay, but we've seen players develop a jump shot in their career, but we've also seen players never develop that mentality that Bruce has to want to play defense, to want to just leave it all on the court. I'm a, I, I like what we saw from Bruce Brown this year. I like what we saw from Kyrie Thomas, even though we didn't get to see very much. The young players look solid, but is it enough to push the needle in the right direction? Maybe not. Game four, I did like Reggie Jackson. I think that was the best game we've seen from Reggie in a long time. Yeah. Like that Malik, is that is the proper response. Like Malik to, said, <laughs> keeps the trade value trade up. Trade value, exactly. That is yeah. the key out of that game. And he's an expiring contract now. Once the season's over and we get to the offseason, he only has one year left. So he's actually going to be uh, a contract that teams go after if they want to be a player in free agency in 2020. So he could actually be a realistic trade piece this summer, which I think is something they could use to their to accelerate. Uh, they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team anyways. So Honestly, I hope he ends up on a winning team because if – if he has real motivation to play like he did in OKC again, he could shine as a backup point guard. He just put in this much trust in him as a starter. It doesn't. It won't work. It just doesn't work. He's a he's a guy that comes off the bench and gives you a spark, and he's shown he can definitely do that. So let's jump into the other NBA playoff playoff games that were actually exciting. We'll start out west. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I think we were. Yeah, we were on the air after the Clippers beat uh, Golden State. Correct. Yeah. So Golden State won the next two. Golden State whooped them by almost thirty in Game Three. Clippers had a chance to win Game Four. Could not keep it together. If they won that game, if it's two-two headed back to Golden State, do you think the Clippers just have that slight chance? No. 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 I, I you can't doubt the Warriors. It's just one of those teams, you know, where it's like, do you take the Warriors or do you take the field? Most of the time, you're still going to take the Warriors. And even if they're in, like, a troublesome position, even if, like, if they lost a second game and they're tied, they're still, like you said, they're going back to Golden State, which it is so hard for people to play there. And I think they would have figured it out at some point. I mean, we've seen each one of those guys, Steph, Clay, Kevin Durant, all have big games in this series. And if one of them, typically, if if Steph or Clay go off, that's when they're most likely to have a big game as a team. What, you, what have you seen from this series so far, Malik? I think with LeBron out of these playoffs, Kevin Durant is the best player in basketball. And um, um, I think um, it's a um, I said with him out of the playoffs. Um, LeBron is I know what you said. Right I know now. what you said. Yeah. Chris is going to argue Giannis or James Harden. Giannis. Kevin Durant. Giannis was hitting threes listen. last night. 
He, he still, had two threes. He, he shot like 20% three from the series. I, I'm all cool. I don't know. But he's showing in this series. He starts off, he's wild. He just gets a tech and gets kicked out of the game. When he wants to dominate, you, nobody on the planet can stop him. He's, he's, so, he's too smart of a player to take a high volume of shots, so he's going to move the ball around. He's going to be smart. But when, when he wants to take over, he can. There's, there's nothing you can do with Kevin Durant right now. Whether his mind is in Golden State completely or not, when he wants to take over, he will. He, loved, he, he clearly loved playing with Steph and Clay and a lot of those guys except for Draymond. I think we all know that by now. But I think Kevin Durant, he, he's – it's not close with him and Giannis right now to me. He is the best player in these playoffs. And if he, if he keeps this up, I don't see how the Warriors will not win the championship. Yeah. He's, think, he's just on a different level. I just think that the scariest part, too, is that we've seen in the finals, like last year and things – Durant can also be an elite defender when he wants to. Exactly. And that's always a scary thing is when he decides that he wants to play both sides of the ball, he for sure is the best. I'm, I'm going to agree with Malik. I think he's the best player in this playoff series. I think he's, even in regular season and stuff, I think he's right there with LeBron at this point. I mean, part of it, obviously, LeBron is falling off. He's getting older. But I think Kevin Durant is right there being able to possibly take over as the best player in basketball. So the Warriors lead 3-1 in that series. Game 5 is in Golden State at Oracle tomorrow night on TNT. You can catch that one. More than likely, Golden State going to finish that one off with a gentleman's sweep. Moving on out west, the 4-5 matchup, which has been really good the last two games, Houston and Utah. Game 3, the Rockets somehow got away 104-101. Utah was up for most of that game. Um, And then Game 4, Utah demolished them. Donovan Mitchell... Should have been Piston, dropped 31, and led the Jazz to a 16-point win. Why was? Why isn't Donovan Mitchell a Piston? Stop bringing this up. It, it makes it worse. Don't, don't make it's it worse. It's so easy. The same reason that Devin Booker isn't uh, no, a Piston? No, it's not. Carmelo no, Anthony that's isn't false. a Piston? That's false. No, no, no. That is actually false. Donovan was way closer to being a Piston than either of those two. Just by pick. No, no. By what... The team wanted at that like Donovan was on the board for the Pistons, had a great workout, and it was one A Luke Kennard, one B Donovan Mitchell. Stan chose Luke over Donovan. Well, because you just said it was one A and one B, and they had Donovan at one B, so they took one A. Also, I don't I don't think you can go back to the Carmelo thing because That's, that yeah. that team. I'm did, just saying, like people like to bring yeah. it up. That team didn't need a rookie to produce, and Larry Brown right. has never really done anything. I still think that that was the best move for the Pistons. Because I think it led to a lot of things that turned into a championship team. But that's a long discussion that we can have sometime in the summer if you guys want. I'm willing to talk about it. But uh, I don't know. You can't, you can't dwell on it. The Pistons have been pretty terrible at drafting. Um, Shout out Spencer Dinwiddie, who should be a Piston too still. Chris, Chris Middleton, Middleton, who just beat us. So yeah, It's a nice long list. You know, It's nice to see some Pistons in these playoffs. We got Tobias, and you know, Tobias has struggled actually. He had, yeah, well, he had a good game three, I believe, but other than that, he's been struggling. But yeah, Rockets lead three one. Game five is tomorrow night in Houston. Could the Jazz fend them off one more time? I think they could. The last two games have been close. I mean, they were close in game three. Game four, they they separated themselves in the second half. 
I think if the, I think if this game was at Utah, they would be able to maybe sneak another one. But I think they'll be focused at home, and I think they'll close it out. Joe. Yeah, I mean, unless Donovan Mitchell has another big thirty-point game, I think uh, the Rockets should close it out. They're looking pretty good. They're looking back to how they were last year in the playoffs. I think. Uh, out west, still the three-six matchup: Portland, OKC. I'm shocked by this one, actually. I really thought OKC had it this year. I thought Paul George was having the best season of his career, potentially. And Russell was playing well under control, better than he has been. They've had depth. They had no major injuries that would impact this team. I think Portland's just on a mission. Damian Lillard has had enough of this Russell Westbrook trash talking. And this has been such a fun series to watch all playoffs, regardless if the games are close. Just the in-game matchups, Steven Adams and Ennis Canner, CJ McCollum and Paul George, Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook. It's been so fun to watch. It's a shame that it's 3-1 right now. Could OKC win in Portland in Game 5? I think they could. I still I have mean, hope that this can go 7. They obviously have the talent for it. But like you said, I think Portland is just kind of on a mission. I thought this series would have been closer. Um, and I think I ended up giving the edge to OKC just because of the way Paul George has been playing. But uh, Russell Westbrook has looked shaky in this series. And, I mean, not that Paul George has looked all that much better at times, but it just seems like, I don't know if it's Damien's actually in his head or not, but it just seems like Russ is being a little bit too dramatic in this series, and it might be hurting his team. I think Russ is in his own head, and I think I think he's his he is his worst enemy. Because Damian Lillard isn't isn't competing with Russell Westbrook. Damian Lillard is playing to win the game and making sure his team gets good shots, making sure CJ gets off when he needs to because that's the best way to win. Russell Westbrook is trying to prove that he's the better point guard than Damian Lillard. And when Damian Lillard starts hitting threes, Russ says, oh, you're hitting threes, I'm going to start hitting them. And then he doesn't hit them mm-hmm. because he's not a good shooter. So... It's it's a his mentality and the way he plays. I've said before. I don't think it, it really leads to winning. Russell Westbrook needs a very 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 specific team put around him to win, and it's basically just like all shooters. It literally has to be Russell Westbrook getting to the lane and then throwing it out to snipers. And I don't know how you make that type of team around him. Paul George had a great regular season. But in his career, he's never proved that in the playoffs he's that guy. He still has to get to that level to where in the playoffs he becomes a killer that you 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 fear. Still shoot it. He's still a really good three point shooter and plays good defense. But yeah, outside of them two, what what reliable shooters do you have? Dennis Schroeder hits threes, but he isn't the stereotype shooter. Jeremy Grant is a better shooter than he was, but he's Jeremy Grant. You're not he's, supposed yeah, to and he's still working on, on his shot too. Exactly. Terrence Ferguson, he's, uh, he's not, a second year guy, he's right? Not, he's not a good NBA yeah. player. They have a, they have a billion. He's, he should. He's not a good NBA player. He shouldn't be starting. They have a ton of role players. That's basically what their team is comprised yeah. of, and not role players that fit with a with the way Russell Westbrook plays. Which at this point, I don't know how OKC could fit a good team around him because there are so many teams that are rising and so many teams that are already at the top and threatening. To win championships, how do you how do you form a team that could really take the next step? And how does Russell Westbrook get back on 
back to where he was shooting wise. I really don't understand his MVP season. He shot eighty five percent from the free throw line. Right now he's at sixty five. Russ shot. How does five, that happen? He shot five for twenty one from the floor in their last game. Two for seven from three. Twenty three percent from the floor. Twenty eight percent from deep, and fifty percent from the free throw line. You're not going to yeah, win many this, games when your star player is doing that. Why are you competing with the other point guard instead of just trying to win? That that's the question. It's your brand, I guess. I've I don't been know. saying it for a long time. What have you been saying, Joe? Overrated. Still a great player. Three straight seasons of triple doubles is incredible, but playing that way, playing a full speed, like playing like that, cannot you can't win like that unless you're Derrick Rose. Well, he he Derrick was different. I'm yeah, just saying, Derrick changed the same Derek similar changed, style. Derrick changed speeds. Derrick was smooth. He was crafty around the rim. He was more he was more skilled. Skilled, less Westbrook. thunderous. Yep. Less thunderous. Pun intended, I guess. That uh, deserves a boo. <laughs> no. Anyway. Um, <laughs> game five. Portland though. wins this one. You think they win in five? Yeah. You think uh, it's over. Portland, they they have shot makers. They have consistent shot makers. They have guys that play hard at all times. Seth Curry is hitting shots. Rodney Hood is they they have it going right now. And I, I don't see Oklahoma City has to outshoot them to win a game. And at this point, especially with them in Portland. I don't see how they'll have the confidence to really do it. Plus, they're not getting much out of Steven Adams, which is also a, a really something they have to look into in this offseason. Joe, are they is Portland finishing the series off tomorrow night? Uh, unless Paul George has a big game. I think even if Paul George has a big game, I don't think it'll make a difference. Um, if Paul George has a big game and the Thunder don't start off well, I think then they'll struggle. But, yeah, I think Portland should close it out. And then the last – oh, go ahead. Russ is going to take a lot – of shots yeah tomorrow. he he might take 30 to 35 shots tomorrow night to try yeah. to, to to try to keep proving points to people I inst- instead of just trying to win yeah uh moving on last series out west spurs nuggets we kind of talked about it going into the playoffs this is going to be a series that we expect to go seven games and it's kind of stayed to that form they've had some closer games for the most part games one two and three Denver pulled away in game four. It's tied 2-2, heading back to Denver. Game is tonight. It's on NBA TV. How do you guys see this series shape shaking out? I think the Spurs last game, I think the Nuggets, they, I think they took a big step forward, and I think they have an edge in this series, not only because they're going home, but because they figured out a way to let to take Nikola Jokic to another level. They don't let him be aggressive a lot. And why, when I say that, I mean he doesn't take over 15 like he doesn't take over 20 shots ever. He never has a high volume of shots. He plays within his game. He's a great passer, probably the best passer as a big man in the league right now. Oh yeah. He's very skilled. But he takes shots when he needs to and when he has open, when he gets hot and when he has open uh, shots. But last game, they just, they gave him the ball and they told him to just go for shots, use your skill and try to take over. And he, he really took advantage of that. And he had a big game. You think Denver finishes, finishes this one off in six? I, I think it still goes seven. 
But I think unlocking Nikola Jokic to this level, I think, is it's something that could push the Nuggets to the next series, and they could become a better team throughout these playoffs. Joey? Because he's playing like this, and he could he could get even better being this type of offensive player. Yeah. And Torrey Craig, I haven't paid much attention to him at all this season or the past season, but he's shooting the lights out. He's been shooting the yeah. lights out all year. Jamal Murray has been really good. If those guys keep stepping up and hitting shots like that, they should be able to win the series. I still think it goes seven, but they have a lot of things going for them right now. And I think I think it'll be hard for Popovich to stop how hard they're how good they're playing right now. Joe? Yeah, I, I think the Nuggets kind of have all the momentum right now. And Jamal Murray's starting to have some good games. I think he's a key factor for the Nuggets. And I just think the Nuggets just have too much depth. Like they're not playing Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, he's been hurt and, you know, all that stuff. But he has experience. So you would kind of expect that maybe he would have played. But uh, they announced pretty early on that he wasn't going to be a part of this rotation. And that just shows you, like, how good they've developed some of their players and some of these guys like Malik Beasley and Monte Morris, like you said, Torrey Craig, um, all these guys. And it just – they have so many different weapons that they can go with. And I think that's kind of a key factor – that they can score from so many different ways and having a guy like Jokic in the paint to be able to alleviate a lot of pressure for those guys who are shooting well from the outside. It just gives you that, that kind of mold of the inside outside game that you want to see in the NBA these days. And I think that they should be in the clear at this point. Now that they kind of got the monkey off their back. See, I disagree with you guys. I think the Spurs are going to take this one. I think it's pops last hurrah. I know you big keep upset. saying that. You're still, going on, you're still going on this limb that he's done after so. this season? Yeah, I think he's done. I think that's going to be the big story this summer. All right, we're going to go out east. We're not going to talk Bucks pistons We've already talked enough about that. Maybe the biggest shocker of the playoffs so far, I cannot believe the Celtics swept the Pacers. Yes, they didn't have Victor Oladipo, but the Pacers were still solid. And there's so much infighting and chemistry issues in Boston. I thought this series would go long, and I picked the Pacers. But I did not see a sweep whatsoever. Did that shock you guys? I I figured that Boston would figure it out at some point. In but the did playoffs. you think they would sweep Indiana but, yeah, going I, in? I didn't see a sweep. I thought I thought Indiana would get one, maybe. I thought without Oladipo, they didn't have many offensive, consistent offensive options. So I knew they wouldn't really just throw punches at the Celtics and really put pressure on them. But they they definitely did. They put a little bit of pressure on the Celtics early in the series because Boston is still figuring things out somewhat, but they're getting into a groove now. Jason Tatum is looking like he's going to play the same kind of basketball he played in the playoffs last season. Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. We know what he's going to do. The biggest thing is Gordon Hayward is looking good again. And if he can get back onto this consistently and be a six-man that comes off and gives them – 15, 16 points maybe, that'll that'll be huge for the Celtics. And I trust Brad Stevens. I believe their chemistry will continue to build throughout the playoffs. And it was a great sweep for them. That this that series should build a lot of confidence. And, yeah, there's a lot of team morale right now. Joey, did you think Boston coming into the playoffs was primed to be upset by the Pacers? No, but I thought the Pacers had a chance. 
just because the way they had been playing, even without Oladipo, like you said, the Celtics have been struggling a little bit at times. But I kind of had a feeling that the Celtics would eventually figure it out just because they're they're the better team. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're the better team. And I didn't think that they would sweep them. I thought that the Pacers would maybe get one or two games, um, be real competitive. And the games were pretty close overall. But yeah, I think the Celtics kind of got back to how they were perceived at the beginning of the season. Gordon Hayward's figured it out, I think. Uh, found his role in this team, and that's kind of a scary thing for other teams out east. So the Celtics are now again one of those teams that you got to watch out for, like people said at the beginning of the season. So we know the matchup. That's the only matchup we know so far in the semi in the conference semifinals. Bucks Celtics. Let's do a little preview of that. Do you think the Celtics can upset Milwaukee? I don't think. I think the Bucks win this in five. Do you realize there are tons of people? Confidently picking the Celtics right now. Unfortunately, really. they clearly didn't watch Milwaukee all year. 60-win team, coach of the year, MVP. Really good team, yeah. Really good team. They're setting records, Malik. A really good team. And if you tell me you're picking the Celtics, I'm willing to make a bet on the show. The Celtics are one of the deeper teams in the East. and I will make a bet with been, both of you guys. They've been underperforming all season long. Pick the Celtics, please. I'm just saying. Pick the Celtics, Joe. I don't know if I would pick the Celtics, but I'm saying don't uster, underestimate the Celtics. What they did in the season and what the Bucks did in the season does not matter right they now. They now have more experience than the Bucks as well. And that's something to think about. Either you guys want to take the Celtics against me? I, I think Malik think... does. You want to take the Celtics, I, Malik? I, honestly, I still don't know who I'm going to pick in this series. I I have no... It's, this is going to be a... This is... This is one of the best series of an East matchup in a while. In a while. And I, the, It'll be fun to watch. The it's going to be a really fun The Bucks aren't just going to walk over them. Uh, this could be just like the, uh, the Western Conference where we could see the best matchups in the semifinals. The, the, the Bucks versus Celtics and the Rockets or Warriors exactly. could possibly be. And you, Chris, you have to understand, people are picking the Celtics because matchups-wise, the Celtics have – some really, they have some really good matchups in this series. I think the Bucks have some starting really good five though. and off the bench. I think the Bucks match up better against the Celtics, though. I I kind of agree with you. I think people are underestimating the Bucks matchups against the Celtics because a lot of the players that produce for the Celtics are in that guard forward area, and Giannis can guard anybody, and so most likely he's going to be guarding like they Jason have- Tatum, even Gordon Hayward, maybe. Uh, Jalen Brown, if he's having a good game, they can put him on any of those guys. Kyrie Irving is another one of those scenarios. You let Kyrie do what he's going to do. Eric Bledsoe will probably play him tough, but if you stop that second guy that the Celtics need, then I think the Bucks are okay. They have no dominant big man, the Celtics do, and that's the only type of player that Giannis can't guard. They can put Giannis out there with four shooters, mm-hmm. and that will make, that's what makes this team so impactful. They put them out with there with four 40% three-point shooters. No other team in the NBA can do that. And that's why I think the Bucs are primed to just maybe not roll past. But I think they can win this. I think they win this one in five, maybe six. I think Milwaukee is primed to get the NBA Finals. They just have the prototypical team to succeed in today's NBA. Miritich is getting healthy. Brogdon is getting healthy. Those are two key players for the Bucks that they haven't had. 
And the Celtics don't really have a, a real rim protector. And that's like the only way you can sort of stop Giannis. We even saw, I hate to say it because statistically, Andre Drummond is the best in the NBA at blocking dunks, apparently. He had, really? he had like 21 blocked dunks on the season, which is the NBA best. I didn't know that going into it. Um, but even that, we saw uh, Giannis do somewhat of a Michael Jordan double clutch right to left. That and was insane. Andre just kind of laughed like, what am I supposed to do? And the Celtics are definitely, I think, worse rim protectors. And that's a scary thought. And like Chris said, they have a lot of shooters, kind of somewhat more unknown guys, but that's what's going to happen when they play in Milwaukee. And I do, I hope the series goes seven. I do too. I hope it does. Who do you want to make a pick right now or no? Bucks and six. Bucks and six. I think Brooke Lopez is actually a pretty big factor. I'd say Bucks and five. Um, the other two matchups, Philly and Brooklyn. Philly-Brooklyn has been a really good series. Both teams do not like each other currently, and that makes it so much more fun. Jared Dudley. Nets probably should have won game I shouldn't say should have, but they had a really good chance of winning game four. They blew it. Philly's up 3-1. Really should be 2-2. Game is tonight on TNT at 8 o'clock. Does Brooklyn pull out this upset tonight? I hope so. This game. I hope so. I want the series to keep going. I do like the matchup. Karis LeVert has looked really good. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's it's a fun series. I, I don't think that the Nets are actually going to win, though. Um, again, it's one of those things. Like, the Sixers just have too much depth. And if Embiid is healthy, like, he's hard to stop. He's, he's a good, good player. He's not healthy, though. Right. But, I mean, if he's healthy enough, you know, that's all it needs. Malik? Sixers close it out, I think. Brooklyn makes it tough. I think Philly only wins by like two or three, but they win it. And then we got to talk about Malik's favorite. Malik, your Orlando Magic are down 3-1 in a series. They play, they play tonight, too. They're the 7 o'clock game on NBA TV. Orlando's done. They're done. Man, Listen, they should have won. The way Kawhi is playing right now, he, he's, he's destroying Orlando. But it's, was it's it ridiculous. wasn't it game three that they kind of blew it? Yeah, game three they had a chance, and I think that's what they really couldn't stop Kawhi. That that game was the the tilt. Yep, turning where, point. Yeah, they're not going to be able to do anything. Also, Pascal Siakam is better than Kyle Lowry, which is hilarious. That that might be the funniest part of this entire this. Pascal Siakam has been one of the best players on that team. He's been playing basketball for like six years. He shouldn't be this good. I'm jealous. I'm incredibly jealous of Reggie Pascal Jackson Siakam. has had a better playoff than Kyle Lowry. I think most people have better. Me, us three could, might could might have better playoff series. Than I could have scored Lowry. a point. I'm telling you. Oh, Joe, stop! I could have scored a point. <laughs> yeah, if you get fouled, you can make a free throw. Exactly. Exactly. Three in the corner. Kyle had a good game too. He had like 24. All right, that's enough NBA it's talk over. for right now. Let's break down. We'll do a little NFL mock draft type scenario. I want to give us enough time on that. The draft is this Thursday. Where is it being held, Joe? I don't know. Is it Chicago? <laughs> Malik? <laughs> Let me look it up because I forgot. All, I forgot. 
I mean, we're not that into where it's at. I don't really care. I, I need to know where it's at. I just need to make sure that the Lions do the correct thing In on Detroit, draft Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> that would be hilarious. It's in Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. All right. Nice. So, I just want, I'm going to go back and forth with you guys. Joey, I'll give you the honor of getting the number one pick. And just tell me who you, not who you would select, but who you think will be picked and why. Before uh, before that, can we can we agree that the first three picks we're gonna we're we're gonna agree on the first three? Those are locks, pretty much. Well, let's go through Do it to break it down. You got Quinnen. You got Quinnen for three. All right, guys. That's not a lock. <laughs> All right, so let's. I don't know who your third lock is then. All right, number one pick, Joe Kyler. Why? Uh, everything that people have been saying is that the Cardinals are pretty much set in stone on him, and. It's only like increasing Josh Rosen's trade value. Um, I'm pretty sure they're set on him at this point. Uh, so I, c- I can't see them going any other way at this point. And if they did go with like Nick Bosa, it would throw the whole draft off. It'd be crazy. And so I kind of want to see. Yeah, I would yeah. love to see that. All right, Malik. Kyler Murray's off the board. 49ers on the clock. Who are they taking? Nick Bosa. I mean, I, I feel like this is this is exactly what they want. They they have so many good young pieces on that defense. They just want to keep shoring up that line and those pieces. Hopefully Jimmy Garoppolo bounces back very quickly from that injury. And they just keep moving. Hopefully they'll start making the playoffs and start contending in a year or two. But, yeah, Nick Bosa with DeForest Buckner and those dudes on the defense. It's a, just another good piece to what they've already started to build. Joey, I'm so happy that you will be making – the pick, the prediction for my New York Jets. Tell me, who are my Jets taking at three? They could take just about anybody to help them out. There's so, there's one player that's been predicted to go to the Jets this entire time. Really? Yeah. I've seen it in every single mock draft. I've seen every mock draft be different, basically. I've seen Josh Allen in every single mock draft. Really? I've seen uh, him. Almost every single I've one. seen him go anywhere. He's the one that I see the most movement from, actually, from what I've looked at. There, there's so many move, talk of movement from so many players. I don't I don't believe any of it. Uh, I, I, I think he's a cemented three. But Quinnen Williams might be the best defensive player in this draft. If you look at my he sheet, though, That's I, I, w- I do have them intertwined. <laughs> so yeah. it could go either way. Um, I ended up going with Quinn and Williams just because I feel like potentially the defensive tackle could have a little more impact. Maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. Um, but I just feel like that's what they go with. I feel like that starts your defensive line, gets you going. It's good to build off of. Um, so I would go with Quinn and Williams. Do you agree with that, Malik? Quinn and Williams, I, th- I think he's the best defensive player in the draft. He's since Aaron Donald, he's he's almost a flawless defensive tackle prospect. Double team, one person, any technique, he he can dominate any way you want him to. And that's where I think too that Aaron Donald has changed how people look at defensive tackles. Exactly. So number four. Oakland Raiders on the clock, Malik. So if Quinn and Williams left now, this is where John- for sure. Everybody's starting to say they're going to make a surprise pick and do something stupid. I think John Gruden is going to try to apologize to the fans and say, "Hey, we traded Khalil Mack." I think you have too but, much but, faith in him. But we we got we got Josh Allen. This this kid's this kid's his athletic his athleticism is through the roof. But why do you he trade? Has, Khal- he has the he has the fastest 
jump off of the line. He has several moves from the outside linebacker slash defensive end mixed up position they have in the NFL now, which is pretty much what Khalil Mack played. They're going to try to slide Josh Allen in that position and see if he works out. You got a question? I was going to say, why do they they trade Khalil Mack just to draft his replacement? That's that's not what they were doing, but they're that's but what that's what's going to yeah, do. That's, that's what's what, going to happen. That's what, that's what but they, they're going to try to make it look like. But that. if you think about that, but like, the, they need defense. They if, need defensive line rush. If with they Khalil traded Mack Khalil Mack to get a replacement for Khalil Mack that they think is similar to him, but they're also getting more draft picks from it, wouldn't that be technically a good trade? True. Just, just a, throwing it off. And with him going at four, I, I don't think he, he's going to come out the gates as fast as Khalil Mack did. He's still kind of raw. He's He doesn't have the build Khalil Mack had. He's kind of slender, but he's fast around the corner. He has several moves. He's very strong for his size. He's Raiders will probably draft him. One thing I, w- I would look out for is that Ed Oliver has risen up on draft boards and there's been some people that think that the Raiders could take him. I don't know if I agree with it, but I'm just throwing it out there. Number five. 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 Number five. <laughs> Number five. Oh, my God. Number five. It's been a long day, guys. <laughs> Number five. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, I think if Josh Allen is gone, which most likely he is, there's, like I said, there's some weird mock drafts that said he might fall potentially. I, I don't see it either. Um, but then you got to go with the next best linebacker, Devin White. Really? Yeah, I think so. Malik, I think that's where the do, Bucks go. Would you? Do you think the Bucks would do that as well? I think they they could take Greedy Williams. That's what I'm seeing a, a lot. To a become lot of, a ball hawk in that yeah. secondary. Yeah, I think I think Greedy Williams is actually a big X factor in this draft because that he's another one of those players that people have talked about, but nobody's really like really talked yeah. it into nobody's fruition. Getting, nobody's getting too excited about right. Like even but though, everybody knows the type of talent he has. Right, and that would shake up the rest of the draft board, I think as well. So that would be, that would be pretty interesting, I think. But I think with like with this draft, I don't know if there's really, at least in like the top 10, too many like wrong picks necessarily. As far as prospects. This entire first round, this is one of the deepest defensive line linebacker. First round wise, there's going to be a lot of teams that come away with good players and successful picks because that's how talented Defensively, this first round, is. which is why you and, might and second and third, honestly, which is why you might see some people kind of take a risk and go for like a greedy Williams or something. New York Giants, Malik, who are they taking? Do they, they take a quarterback? Do they go? The, listen, the New York Giants, the Buckeye way, are really looking. They look like they might do something so ridiculous and not draft Dwayne Haskins, and they what? might it. it I, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they didn't draft Dwayne Haskins and just kept trying to push the people. Eli Manning is our guy. We need you to trust him. And the people don't have much reason to trust Eli Manning at this point. I am so afraid that they won't draft Dwayne Haskins. But at the end of the day, I think Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne sounds Haskins. sounds like you're torn here, Malik. I am. Who are you torn between? That's, Dwayne I, and who? I would... If they don't take Dwayne Haskins, I think it might be a surprise pick. That's the thing. I, there's so many def- defensive options. I would. It, they have so many different options from Cleland Farrell from Clemson. You got Ed Oliver from Houston. I still. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody still took a swing on Montez Sweat. 
I, honestly, I'm not sure. I'm going to say Dwayne Haskins because that's the logical thing. But the di- the I don't I don't know, man. I don't know. The Giants, they're scaring me. That's so you're saying Dwayne say. Haskins, the right? The Giants, now. the Giants are scaring me. I think they take Ed Oliver. I've heard a lot of the things from the Giants saying that they're going to take the best player available. And who's that Oliver? And Joe? I I don't think that they necessarily think that Dwayne Haskins is the best available player at the time because of this draft being so deep. I just don't see it. I think, and and maybe this would be smart for the Giants, is they take the best player available because then next year, quarterback draft is pretty good. There's some good quarterbacks that will be in next year's draft. And I know people want the Giants to take a quarterback right now, but... I don't know if a quarterback is going to completely change their team. Like, they just lost Odell Beckham Jr., their best receiver. I don't think if a quarterback is going to turn this team around anytime Dwayne soon. Dwayne wouldn't start from the beginning. Right, he no, would, I know. He'd, he'd have a year or but two to sit behind Eli. I just feel like you might as well just keep getting pieces. And I, I don't necessarily see them taking a quarterback. I think they're going to be kind of stingy, and it's going to be funny. That's a, yeah, the, the Giants are going to play around with some teams. There is, they're going to be annoying. They're, I think they're going to annoy a lot of teams, including Giants fans. Malik, uh, give me the pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then I'm going to have both you guys make a selection for the Lions. The Jacksonville Jaguars with this pick, honestly, this is a it's a one A one B to me. Whether they take Jawan Taylor from Florida or Jonah Williams from Alabama, they need. Who would to, you pick in this situation? I might take Jawan Taylor. I think he could start immediately. They need to shore up that O-line for Nick Foles because if he has even an average O-line, it could get scary very fast. He needs uh, an O-line that will hold up so he has time to look around and throw those bombs that Jacksonville Jaguars fans are expecting from him. He needs that help. Now, I've heard a little bit of, like, these are, I, I think they will take an offensive line, uh, like you said, either Jonah Williams or Juwan. But I have heard a couple of people talking about maybe they take TJ Hawkinson just to give Nick Foles a weapon. I really hope they do so that the Lions don't take him. <laughs> so secretly, that's what I want. Um, but that's just another option I'll throw out there. All right, Joe. Give me your selection for the Detroit Lions at number eight in the 2019 we, NFL Draft. I hope we agree on this. Man, this is tough. I was talking to Malik beforehand. Originally, I wanted Montez Sweat here. Now, recently in the past couple of days, I don't know if you guys have heard, uh, he announced that he's not going to go to the NFL draft. He's going to sit at home with his family in Georgia. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. Anyway, he's going to be at home with his family for this draft, and he's announced that he has a heart condition. And so he's starting to fall down the draft boards um, just because of the uncertainty about the condition. I don't know if there's a lot of details on it either. Um, But some teams are a little bit concerned. So he could end up being a steal for some teams. And I don't think the Lions would take the risk on it. So I'm really scared that they're going to take TJ Hawkinson. But I want them. This is not who you want them to take. This is who do you think the Lions select? Okay. It all kind of depends. I'm still not. I'm not sure if they select T.J. Hawkinson. It's I think. Be, I think that's the that's the popular thing, right? Right now, that they take T.J. Hawkinson, but I don't know if that's the hardest thing is to like this draft is going to be weird. Like it's 
like I said, these are all super, super good defensive players. So who knows? Like, people are starting to talk like Rashawn Gary might get in ahead of these guys. Like, he might be somewhere from five to seven. If, so, he, if he's there for the Lions, they, they might take him. Right. And so, like, that shakes a lot of things up. I think if, like, the Jaguars take Hawkinson and, like, nobody's really fallen, the Lions might look to trade down. They've talked about it. They're not ruling it out. Um, so if something happens where they don't like the look of the draft board at the time, they might. I still hope they don't because I feel like, like Malik said, this is a deep draft. I think there's talent somewhere that they can take. I have no idea who they're going to go for. You got to pick someone. You can't do a mock draft and then just say, I don't know who the Lions pick. No, you got to make a selection. This well, is this, okay. It's hard to say who... Who do you think the Lions would take if instead of like if we were in the organization, who who would we take? Because sure enough, the defense would make sense. But do the Lions want so TJ Hawkinson? If we're going if we're going I'm off s- of our draft board, how we have it, I think they take TJ Hawkinson. That sucks. That's terrible. Yeah, I don't want it. But I just that's, that's just my feeling. Right now. Uh because they were they're really set on like I know they are really high on like Josh Allen and Devin White and stuff. Like, I don't expect those guys to fall. Malik, Lions on the clock. Who are they selecting? Because of who the Lions coach is right now and his experiences with Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to rebuild the Patriots 2.0, and he's going to try to make T.J. Hawkinson his Gronk. Now, if they run a double tight end set with Jesse James, I'd be okay with that. Are they going to completely change their offense? I don't know, but I would. If they're going to take T.J. Hawkinson, I want to see some double tight end sets out of the Lions this year. I really, I don't want it. I don't either. But I, I don't just, want it. The more that people keep talking about it, the more I keep thinking it might happen. Exactly. Honestly, if not him, I think they'd take Rashawn Gary. If, if, I, if Rashawn is still on the yeah. board, I think they'd take him, which I wouldn't be mad with either. But I, I think too, like, I'd be okay with like that. we said, if, if Rashawn Gary gets taken, then one of these guys is going to fall to Lions. Which could be at Oliver, yeah. which well, I Sean Gary could also go like four to yeah, like you said, like four to seven. Right. So if like somebody like at Oliver fell, maybe there's a chance Devin White would fall. I'd be okay with that. I just want a defensive player. That's Understood. And we will find out on Thursday. Bold predictions for the Lions during the entire draft. Anything? Nothing? The Lions don't ever do any. I was going to say, I don't know they, if there's going to be a bull. Usually when they do things to stick out, they do dumb things. Recently, they've gotten, they've made, they've made conservative picks the past few years. They really haven't done yeah, anything they have. to yeah. stick out. They've made extremely conservative picks, which it would be better for them to make a good, splashy pick if they took like, what if they took a quarterback in the third? Like, what if they what if they ended up like drafting Will? Or what if they drafted a wide receiver too? Exactly. Like, what if they took Will Greer in like the third yeah. round? Like that that would make a splash, and it would inter- it'd be interesting for the Lions. Or yeah. Something. Any other predictions for the draft in general? I think Josh Rosen does get traded on draft night. Yeah, that'd be fun. But to who? I don't know. Detroit. I think he does get drafted. I think he I think he could get drafted to a team with a veteran quarterback 
so he can be their successor, like Chargers or Patriots. I'm curious of who wants to shift. I know the Dolphins are a team that are looking to trade up. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious of like what teams will try to get in to maybe take like a Dwayne Haskins or something like that. Um, so that could be really interesting. I wouldn't mind that if the Lions traded down just a little bit. Um, that might be acceptable to maybe get a little bit more out of it. I'm not really sure. I'm pretty excited for this draft, actually, though. Like, it's it's an interesting draft, and it's pretty big one for the Lions. I think there are going to be some surprises in the first round. Why do you think Definitely. this one's a big one compared to years past? Um, because it's a kind of a shift in the team with Patricia and stuff, and uh, the off season that they've had so far has been pretty good, as we've talked about. Exactly, they could cap it off very successfully. Right, we don't if they do it right. We don't want to make a lot of assumptions with this team, obviously, but so far on paper, it's looked good. Um, so if they could make a good, solid draft, I think they're headed in the right direction. And like we said, that gives. I think this this for sure is the definitive year for Stafford. Um, because like we said, next year has a good quarterback class. And even if they take a quarterback this year, it puts pressure on them. Um, so I think it's a, an important draft for the Lions. There you have it. Joey and Malik. Think the Lions are drafting the tight end. What I a bummer. So. I hope not. <laughs> Eric Ebron 2.0. Don't don't say that. Jeez. Oh, don't say that. Ebron 2.0. They are you're just saying tight end, tight end, same. Yeah. That is hor- that's horrible, simple math. Hawkinson's you, you got... You can't just do that. The one scary plus thing, one equals two put, with put, One plus one equals fish right now for The you. scary thing is... Put on your analytical glasses. The scariest thing, though, is that Hawkinson has, like... <laughs> is, like, a better prospect fish. than Ebron was. Exactly. He is, he is one of the most complete tight ends in, in years. Yeah. From catching and blocking standpoint. Which is spooky that if he doesn't want... Anyway, that if you what? <laughs> we'll see on Thursday. Yeah, we'll find out on Thursday. Uh, we have like a minute or so left in the show. I want to touch base on you guys. There was, a, we don't talk much hockey on the show here, but we do have to recognize he's back when big news happens. Steve Eiserman, he left Tampa Bay early in the season, and everybody was hinting, is he coming back to Detroit? It the seemed, rumblings were there. The rumblings were there. It was kind of the best kept seat or the worst kept secret in the NHL that he was coming back and they made it official April 19th, 2019 number 19 back in the organization. First impressions. Cool. I like it. I mean, obviously it gets the fans excited. It's hard to say what he'll do. He did a good job in Tampa. So hopefully that can mean good things for the Red Wings. He knows how this team operates. He knows how the fans operate. Like we said, he's loved by everybody in this state. So it's it's just a nice thing to have for this team. And they moved Ken Holland to an advisory role, just like they did with Joe Dumars when the Pistons moved on. So Ken, it was fun. He'll probably get another gig somewhere else. But right, uh, Malik, first impression. He has experience in his role. He knows this franchise in and out. He's a staple of the franchise. He he understands what needs to be done for that franchise to win again. It's it's all it's all positivity right now. That's what they need. Just. Very great positive move. Oh, yeah. And it just creates a buzz for the team moving forward. That's that's really what it is. The Red Wings missed the playoffs. The biggest the biggest blunder on Ken Holland's resume, honestly, is probably when they forced they kind of forced the playoff berth in what was it, twenty seventeen? Uh denying prospects really from 
succeeding and playing their vets more. But that's all in the past. So we'll see how it all shakes out. That's about it for the show today. We got a lot to talk about. We talked a lot of NBA playoffs. Piston season ended. We'll do a State of the Pistons next week. State of the Lions after the draft. Essentially, their offseason comes to a close. We got a lot next week. Suns fire another coach. I don't know if it's the coach anymore. Whoa. Bye. See you guys next time. My birthday is the Saturday, guys. <gasps> I hope you're not here. I'm celebrating back next week. Age. And Avengers Endgame, I'm ready to cry. <laughs>